everybody. Welcome back to Let's Do This. Thank you so much for being here with us. We have an incredible, incredible conversation today with the amazing Ollie Muldrow. What an honor. Yeah. And we wanted to honor the importance of consent and honor the importance of trigger warnings Mm -hmm. and let you know that within today's conversation, we do touch on very hard topics of domestic violence. Yep. And we talked about the death of George Floyd and of course... Racism. Oh, mm-hmm. So we wanted to offer that before we get into into today's episode. And I especially love that this is our last episode with a special guest of 2020. Yeah. This is this is not a coincidence, the timing of this. This is what we needed to wrap the year up yeah, with. Yeah, this is powerful. Ali, thank you so much. What an honor to have you on our show. It was it was a it was a beautiful couple of hours, so thank you so much for your time, Ali. We so appreciate it. We can't wait to have you back on the show next year. For sure. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take Enjoy care. the show. Be good to yourselves. is so important. I know. I was like ready. Oh my gosh. Look at us. Oh my gosh. This is happening. Oh, oh my goodness. Shit. Oh shit. Can we make us all in? How do we get bigger? Would you just say something before I explode? Oh my god. Look at you guys. You're oh. so cute. Your masks. Oh me. This is nice to see you. This is kind of painful. Hold on. We just need to, I just need to really take you in. Oh my goodness. Thank you for being here with us today. No, I'm so excited. I've had such a sweet, y'all. I've just had like such a sweet, savory, sexy little day. I know. I was like, Ali, you cannot just keep having sex on Saturdays. You've got to get out of bed. Like, I have been really, no, I also delivered books to my students, and I have not met some of my students in person this year. It is the craziest. I work with students all four years of high school, and, like, so some of my students, I've known them for three years, but some of them are freshmen, and we've never met in person. Some of them, I've never seen them, because they don't turn the camera on. Of course they don't. So I'm going to their house, bringing them the book Pleasure Activism, and these little, like, self-care like queer as fuck 
like gift packages. Like, you know what? We're still in this together. I know like, cause this class, usually we eat dinner together every Monday night. I mean, yeah. we talk about our goals and our dreams. Like intimacy is part of what makes it a sanctuary. And so to do it on Zoom, I've been like, okay, we are going to have to start using like postcards and care packages and like turn myself into like a, you know, variety of delivery service. Just, yeah. You know, I'm like, no, I'm bringing it to your doorstep. Yeah. And it felt really good. I bet. Oh I my bet. God. I just want to break down what you, that 45 seconds in like five second increments. And I just want you to tell us more about each five seconds. Like, what is a pleasure kit? What are you throwing in there? So the book is pleasure activism. The kit is a self-care kit. Okay, so break down the book, and then I want you to put, I don't want you to tell us what's oh in the gosh. kit. And then I want you to tell us who these children are in your beautiful life. I am like, I teach a course called Foundations of Leadership. And it is... Is that our connection? Yeah, can you... Is this That's not... I think it might be... You know what? I can actually mic myself a lot better in a different space okay, okay. okay. yeah yeah, yeah. we're gonna come right back here and we're gonna break apart this conversation and that's yeah. gonna be our starting point today. yeah take your time it's all good <sighs> i love you guys i love you? you we're so real today it's so we've real. cried okay yeah. i can do yeah. better oh you better Oh, when I hear you say we can do better, I just want to be like, we can do better. <laughs> can we There's just no do, reason. Let's just, just, you know, <clears throat> you have that impact on people. We want to like shout what you say. Yeah, big time. Big time. <laughs> okay. Say hi. Oh, Ollie, thanks for being here today with thanks us. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to just... <sighs> listen yeah. to everything you want to tell us today. Margaret, where do you it's, want to go from here? Well, I would love to, I mean, of course we love doing like really formal, you know, intros of our powerhouse guests. So maybe we, we, we just slow it down. Yeah. We do a real formal. We are here with Ali Muldrow, who is, you are Andrea kept saying that when we were busting out this outline and we were really trying to like drop into the embodiment of who you are, she just kept saying she is a pillar of the community. And I was mm -hmm. like, just keep saying that mm -hmm. because you're right. We were, we were dropping into the intention. What's our intention with Ali when we get to talk with her? And I was like, she's this pillar of this community we live in. We have to just, that's it. That's all we're going to yeah. That's the intention. You're an educator. You're a leader. You're an activist. You're a parent. You are a member of the Madison School Board. Yeah. Board of Education. Oh. See okay. 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 Making change. So um, thanks for being you and, and believing in yourself and believing in change in the youth and believing in the children and mm -hmm. giving such a shit about them. You give such Man. a shit about kids though, but it's so easy to love oh, everybody's kids. It's I so know. easy to love. I, I mean, I'm like, that's like, that's the job I got. 
I got the yeah. best job. And that's the part, if I, you know, if that's this, my service to this community is to love everybody's kids. Yeah. Like how lucky am I, mm-hmm. you know, is to, yeah. to want, want that for, for kids, to want kids to reach their full intellectual potential and to think for themselves and to feel empowered and free and liberated within learning. Mm. I mean, I'm very lucky. Well, I'm very lucky and- with this life. I don't doubt it for a second that those kids know that you give, that you care about them the way you do. I know that. that oh, that you, exudes all the time. You're dropping off yeah. packages and, you know, I mean, they know that, that you care. And so. It's got to be really hard on you. you this year with virtual learning. I bet it's, it's an ache for you right now to it not is- see these kids. It's intense because when you teach in person, our course, you know, Foundations of Leadership or even just our general programming has this kind of wraparound impact, right? We want to acknowledge the student as a full human being. So what are your basic needs, right? You need to eat and you need to be hydrated. You need somebody who checks in with you if you're sick and doesn't talk about how you have so much work to catch up on, but talks Mm -hmm. about like how you're taking care of yourself, right? So when you're seeing kids in person, you can really be receptive to where they're at. We have dinner together every week, you know, we start our week with this, this meal. And then we go into work and liberation and activism and rest restoration and, you know, what it means to build the community that is a classroom. But Mm -hmm. educators build communities, you know, they're they're Mm -hmm. folks that bring young people together um, because, you know, we understand that as a collective, we strengthen one another's learning. We strengthen Mm -hmm. one another's ability to understand and to question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Beautiful. I know. Just keep going. Well, I said to Margaret... I said to Margaret this earlier today, I said, so I was doing all this Ali reading last night. And I said to Margaret, I said, here's the thing. I was at Al- birth. I don't, I can't, Ali's going to be the expert of Ali. Cause yeah. this is <laughs> like, okay. We've got, I mean, G safe. Mm-hmm. You do, you host a radio show every Wednesday at noon. You, I mean, in the public affair every Wednesday yeah, on affair. WORT 89.9. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we, talk, we talk politics and we talk, you know, local change and, you know, get to hang out with the rebels and, and, awesome. and, and talk about how to change the world. I always feel bad for people. So I will say this, Margaret, Andrea, <laughs> I'm like, I always feel bad when people try to do my resume. I'm like, oh man, like this could just, I don't even know. And sometimes I'm like, I don't even know where you got this much information. <laughs> Like, you know, people were like, in 2006, she did this. And in early 2013, she was named this. And I'm like, whoa. Uh-huh. Whoa, well, Google. For, go for Google. Listeners, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, for our listeners, just go to G-Safe. I mean, yeah. just start there. My goodness. And when there's someone who, who is campaigned, I mean, come on. You, you're going to have some yeah. stuff out there on you. As it's you true. It's Which true. I have been highly vetted. I have, you know, <laughs> run for office twice. And, you know, uh, in, the, in the span of that, it's, Madison is such an education town. And yeah, Wisconsin is such a union education. We love educators. We do love our kids. This is a place, and we love, like, we celebrate knowledge. That's why mm-hmm. the pandemic and the way we've been impacted by it is such a, mm-hmm. you know, tra- travesty. Mm-hmm. Um, but people really do want their, their board of education to be accountable. They really do want folks who are thinking about these issues, who have worked in the community long term, who have, you know, 
the, the folks I work with on the board are folks who have my profound respect because they're people who've given their hearts and souls to this community um, mm-hmm. and, and really be- believe in, in, in shaping it, you know? Mm-hmm. But that does mean that like, there's like a forum every 12 hours when you come to school board in Madison. They're just like, yeah, we have some more things we'd like to ask you about. Damn. Some of them are going to be the same things we've already asked you about, but we're going to ask you some other stuff too. Damn. And the, question, the questions are amazing. Okay, so this is like the best thing about- Yeah, give us like, a taste. Okay, so I'm, I'm at my first ever forum. Oh my gosh, I'll never forget this ever. So I'm at I, know this you first... had, I know you had some power outfit on. I know what you did. I, you know, I was like, I was actually, I was wearing like an orange sweater and like just like normal old Navy pants. I was like chilling. And I was like, I didn't like, you know, when you, the more you get into like your kind of political ar- archetype, the more you develop like the tools you need to feel powerful. powerful. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you belong. But, like you belong. But, I was walking into this forum and I was like, I've been talking about education for 13 years. I know how to talk about education, you know, and I felt, uh, I think I was a little casual about it. There's 400 people. It is, there's standing room only. It is Uh really, really packed. There's a snowstorm and it's still, I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, And one of the questions they asked was, children will struggle to learn if they experience fear or hunger what will you do to address fear and hunger? Ooh, now that's chills. fine. That's fine. Chills. That's fine. That's one question. But here's the, the fun part of how this happens is they go, you have 90 seconds. Ooh. Oh, I literally laughed. I said, I have 90 seconds to address fear and hunger, the phenomena of fear and hunger. I'm going to, okay. And I, you know. I was like, well, I'm going to talk about GSAFE. I'm going to talk about the Gay Straight Alliance and the work that we've done to secure that students, you know, um, their basic needs are being met, that they're, Mm -hmm. you know, being supported and welcomed within their environment, but also the reality of harassing LGBTQ youth Mm -hmm. in schools. Mm -hmm. And and talk about it and make people aware of really what's going on. Yes. And that's the work. I mean, that is, that is my, that is, that is the work. That's what I do every day is I Mm -hmm. I work as an advocate for LGBTQ youth, you know, Mm -hmm. and I do a lot of things, but teaching and working and facilitating and advocating for young people and being the executive director of a statewide organization, um, you know, is, it's, it's how I, I, how I make my living and it's what I believe in. And it is the catalyst for the other things I do, you know, because we really, it was, it wasn't until working with GSAFE that I worked with school boards across the state that I, you know, became familiar with, with what board policy looked like right. and what it meant to pass non-discrimination non-discri- policy, right. it's inclusive of trans students, right? Right. Yeah. So this, these kinds of like the the evolving needs to to be able to work with people and and give folks a lens um, that celebrates all young people. Yeah. Oh. Mhm. Mhm. And right now, tell us about what I mean. I know that that COVID has probably really been a lot of like school board convo like what are we doing what are we doing but what else is happening right now and in, in the you know on the madison school board what what are you looking forward to what policies are you working on can you kind of give us just like a little well i mean here's a shout out to to the city of madison because they just passed two historic referendums right and that means that we can honestly leverage some of the lowest interest rates uh, of, available on the market 
over the course of the last decade, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and that means we can build state-of-the-art facilities, and that means we can enhance programming and change learning spaces and really reimagine secondary education. Um, and so as far as taking advantage of this moment and and Mm -hmm. seizing the opportunity of this moment, we as a district are are fully doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. we are taking advantage of the information age and really utilizing technology to continue to work with students. Um, And also, you know, making sure that kids have meals across the city of of Madison. And Mm -hmm. I think you cannot thank our, our, faculty or our educators, the Mm -hmm. folks who are doing that front lines work, who are risking, you know, their health and safety Mm -hmm. um, to really make sure that our our young people's needs are being met. So there's a lot that's going on and happening right now in terms of COVID and what it looks like to navigate it. And there is also, you know, uh, a desire to be fully prepared to rapidly recover and meet the Mm -hmm. needs of our young people um, as we, as a community, Community survive this moment, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna set up camp and live here, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so on the other side of this, mm-hmm. um, which we're getting is, to, mm-hmm. yes, we'll the other. There. The other side of this looks like strengthening, you know, literacy. It means exposing kids to global languages. It means including things like coding in our curriculum. It means advancing education, making sure our young people have the the kind of education that allows them to participate in a global economy, that mm-hmm. allows them uh, to utilize the the tools most relevant to their generation. Mm-hmm. You know, education looked a, a, a certain way for a very long time. But so the long. Yeah. The, the top grossing jobs in 2002 did not like did, the top grossing th- jobs in 2008 did not exist in 2002. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah. live in a world that is that is rapidly changing. And so Fantastic. we need kids to love learning because they're going to have to be lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to be excited to learn their entire lives because the world is is changing. And, you know, the, the, yeah. key, to, the, the key to survival is adaptation. Mm. According to Darwin. Oh, good one. Yeah. Good one. I, I've had many moments this school year just in awe of the resilience of children and how they are so adaptable. Oh, yeah. they, they really mm-hmm. are. I want these kids to get more credit than they generally get, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No, yeah. and we have to really think about, you know, how this moment challenges the way we've talked about kids in education. Yes. Because this moment yeah. requires our students to take initiative, right? Mm-hmm. And we have told our young people over and over again that they need to be supervised, that they need mm-hmm. to be, uh, you know, that somebody has to, has to be standing in the room monitoring their learning in order for it to be learning. Yeah. And that is no longer available. Right. And what we have to recognize is that learning um, – go so far beyond the classroom. That learning is yeah. a constant part of our realities. Yeah. Um, and that we can value all kinds of learning. We can mm-hmm. celebrate all kinds of learning, particularly in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. This is not the moment to, you know, I guess, jam standardized testing down the throat. Yeah. No, right? no, that's, right. not what, that's not what I really, mean. last night when I was reading some of your sentiments on this point, I really appreciated your perspective of, all the ways we learn, especially as children that are growing and changing even more rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my children's creativity right now, I, again, I, I can only speak from what I'm experiencing at home with my kids, but they're 
becoming more creative right now. They're becoming more innovative right now. And they're being empowered because I can't micromanage them all day long. And I don't want to. My and kids are learning how to cook. My yeah. kids are learning how to cook, y'all, yeah. and I am here for it. I'm Me like, too. yes, make this mom some food. <laughs> yes. I yeah. see it. I appreciate it. You're yes. hired. Keep doing what you're doing. Great job, guys. Like yeah. that yeah. seems like the science math class of today is that yeah. you're making this three course meal and at noon for our family. Totally. And they're being empowered in, in what they're contributing in their homes right now. If that's what I'm seeing, and I. I think that's brilliant. I think that's, mm-hmm. I know there's a lot that's really heartbreaking about this moment too, but I think there's a, I think there are going to be some really great strengths coming out of this time. Yeah. I think it's I empowering mean, them. Mother Teresa said, like, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm-hmm. And, and so if what we're, we're teaching our kids right now is how to take care of one another, how to communicate better within their families, how to, how to show up for that community, um, how we as parents can, can challenge ourselves and accept ourselves simultaneously. Um, I think there's a lot to learn there. And I think we, we, as a, as a culture, um, you know, we, we need a moment of pause. We need a moment of reflection. There is something to be gained, right? We have all been so busy for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, this is, I, I think that our, our compass is recalibrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know we could talk about education for like the next eight hours yeah. easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we could, but we've got other things we really want to explore with you, Ollie. Did you get that outline? We kept checking in with you. We're like, Ollie, did you check out the outline? <laughs> I it's okay so, if you did it. Sorry. I feel like You're I did get the outline. <laughs> I feel like I did get the outline, but I feel like I wouldn't easily be able to reference the outline. No, no. I am gonna, available okay. to talk about whatever you want to do. Yeah, we figured you were. We figured Like, I am down. We can always edit. All right. Yeah. So this was, this was a big year. In Black, a lot of ways. Yeah. Big, big year. Black Lives Matter. Big year. Female vice president. Big year. First black female vice president. And, and it's micro macro. I mean, this has been a big decade for you being a black woman on a public school board with other women of color. Mm-hmm. This is huge. You know, really, really looking at like people with these different backgrounds coming from places of disparities, racism, and taking these, these roles of leadership and really being like a representation of the people, you know? Heck Tell- yeah. Tell us, mm-hmm. tell us, t- we want to hear from you, this experience, yeah. being in, being Ali, how, how are you, how has this year been for you? What, what conversations are you having at the dinner table with your children? What conversations oh. are you having with your partner? What conversations are you having with the board? What conversations are you having with your folks? This is such an excellent question. And this is such a, you know, real way to look back at what 2020 has meant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you go back to, to George Floyd, when you go back to kind of early summer um, and you think about what, what sparked and who was, was called on to lead in those moments and who was asked um, to to help and support and to mm-hmm. elevate the the voices of folks who have not from been heard from, I think what you see is 
is the long-term building of, of a movement, right? Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because there were folks who, you know, there's always folks who are critical of the way people protest. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I think you can't be critical of the way people protest or react to something like George Floyd. There's no rationale in what happened to George Floyd. This is a guy who was accused of, of you know, a counterfeit $20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, this is not somebody who, who has harmed anyone mm-hmm. um, and was, you know, held, held on the ground and murdered, you know, had a person's literal knee on their neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. That is something, you know... If you if you haven't watched it, I think you do have a certain responsibility mm-hmm. to really look at at what it means to be black in America. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is broad daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people all around, and I, I think you've got to be you if you if you can't put yourself in, in the position of of that person to watch. You know, people film you. While you're dying, this man's screaming out for his mother, his mom. right? And nobody felt like it was safe to stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think that that's that living in in a space of that kind of terror, yeah, um, is is a reality check for us as a society. And yeah, I think we, we can't think, afford to deny this reality. Mm-hmm. We can't right. afford to deny it. It's so harmful to deny it. Mm-hmm. And I think the expectation of black people has been to downplay mm-hmm. uh, the racism that that white people struggle to perceive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I think we're 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 reaching a, a crossroads um, in which you know you know realities are competing the, the the dual reality of our society what it means to be white in our society and what it means to be black in our society and why is is that we're reaching a point where we have to reconcile and in yeah. order to reconcile we have to be honest about what's going on and mm-hmm. i think the fact you know i say over and over again the hardest thing for me about the black lives matter movement mm-hmm. is that it is sparked by a series of dead black people, mm-hmm. right? That's when America's like, okay, yeah, there's a, we're a little bit ready to talk about racism, kind of. Yeah, now that there's a long, 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 endless mm-hmm. list of names. Yeah, right. Oh, but yeah. but I, I graduated in 2005 in Madison, Wisconsin. At the time, about 38% of African-Americans were graduating from high school. I had less than 50% chance of graduating mm-hmm. high school in this community. Mm-hmm. So, so where were the protest signs? Where were the mm-hmm. uh, rallies? Where, where's all that? You know, right. if a if a black woman going into the hospital is three times more likely to die giving birth, where's mm-hmm. where's the rally for that? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be somebody with some with a knee on their neck for eight minutes? Why does it have to be a truly violent and horrific representation mm-hmm. of a of a history of lynching in this society mm-hmm. for people to go? We're really concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. because there's so much that goes into to getting to that. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't just we don't just start there. Right. No. Mm-mm. We no. start in in 4K when the only kids we suspend are African-American boys. Right. Mm-hmm. We start we, we start in the hospital when mm-hmm. black women are three times more likely to die. Yeah. They're and, not, yeah. They're and, not being heard. And black babies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? So from the day yeah. from the day you're born. Yeah. You, you I mean, all, all of it. The the number of incarcerated black men. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It just yeah. <clears throat> yeah. When you talk about a reckoning, I've t- 
Margaret and I have had a similar dialogue on the show before of there, this collective like acceptance really from that, that white people need to have. And I think when people hear acceptance, they're like, well, we can't accept our racism. And I, I think that there needs to be an acceptance of our inherited racism in order oh, to go totally. forward. And there's too many of us white folks who are just denying it. We just mm-hmm. keep denying it. You know, it's just such a crazy thing to me because I'm like, if you are like, I, I guess I think the question, are you racist, is a crazy question. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The question is, is your language racist? <laughs> right. You speak English. English has 153 words that describe white. They include words like br- bright, angelic, holy. Right. There's 147 words that describe black or dark. They mm-hmm. are all negative terms, things like shady. Right. Mm-hmm. Every word in your vernacular that describes darkness or blackness or brownness, describes it in the lens of inferiority. That's your language, right? If your country is racist, your school system's racist, your church is racist, how are you not racist? You've been taught superiority. You've if your neighborhood, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how, yeah. How, how did you... How did, how, you, did you, how did you dodge that, right? Yeah, if everything you're participating in, and, and if all of those things that you're participating in are exclusive or mostly white or geared towards you, and you don't mind, mm-hmm. what does that say about you? Mm-hmm. You don't think there's anything wrong with that? Mm-hmm. You think Looking if, the other way. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're looking around at our society and you don't see a problem, you think George Floyd and Oscar Grant and Trayvon Martin and Tamir Rice and Breonna Taylor, you think those are isolated incidents? Mm-hmm. You know? I think there's a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. And I think... And, and the there's a lot of narcissism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we get so caught up in that we don't know how to talk about racism so let's just do that really safe comfortable thing and that white yeah i want to be the good white person and just not talk yeah. about it because if i try to talk about it i'm probably gonna not i'm not gonna do it right you know yeah. well and if you try to talk yeah. about it right. And you want, you want to be on the right side of it, right? If you mm-hmm. want to say, like, I'm down, I'm the ally, then you're going to miss the, the, the important part about racism and you. The important part about racism and you is that racism, racism is designed to give you pre- preferential treatment, mm-hmm. right? The question, you don't, when you look at other white people, if you want to feel better than other white people, you would say, I'm racist and or, they're racist and I'm not, right? That, again, reasserts that you're better than them. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is, why do I need racism? Why do other white people need racism? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, why do they need it? Like, how is it serving me? Well, it totally benefits me to drive down the street and not get pulled over. It totally benefits me that people trust me. It totally benefits me that, that I'm going to get alone. this job. Right. That I'm right. not going to well, child. Who am I without this system? Right. Yeah, who right. am I without this systemic you know, and, and so then you say, hey, how do I dismantle that? How do I start to make sure that other people have the same kinds of opportunities I do? Because the, the other myth that we tell ourselves is I have what I have and I need to protect what I have because there's not enough for everybody to go to college. There's not enough for everybody to be safe. There's not enough for everybody to have a house. This isn't true right? We only talk about scarcity in this country when it is time to be good to each other. Yep. It is time to buy a book, when it is time to make sure everybody has health care. Mm-hmm. That is when we are out of money. Mm-hmm. But when it's time to drop a bomb, 
We've never not had enough money. Mm -hmm. Time to ask somebody, do you know how much money it costs to put a kid in a juvenile detention center? In, in Dane County, it's over $100,000 a year. Yeah, we, we spend, we spend $9,000 per pupil to send kids to school. All right? So don't tell me you don't have enough money to do what's right for our kids if you have that much money to do what's wrong for that our kids. That scarcity mindset is really important to keep acknowledging and talking about. Because that's to me, that's like connected to capitalism too. We're in such a, you know, we're living within this capitalist, capitalism on steroids society too that constantly tells us that there's not you know you need more you need more you need more yes i mean i think we saw it when we saw people like rushing the grocery stores to get toilet paper you yeah. know because what i actually saw in that is that americans are afraid to live without dignity. They're afraid that they live in a society that would let them go without dignity mm-hmm. and were they not to hoard it um they they may not be able to access it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like, that is the, the real crux of racism is this, this idea that there's some sort of scarcity when it comes to dignity, mm-hmm. but not everybody that we can't afford. And we can't like, what kind of story would we be telling ourselves if we told ourselves we can take care of each other? Mm-hmm. We can change the world. We can do what's right for our kids. We can do what's right for our elders. We can make people comfortable and show up when people need us. Mm-hmm. We've got that in us as a community. There's mm-hmm. enough here to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. What were you, what, what, what were you so inspired by with Black Lives Matter in Madison this summer and, and, and what continues to to unfold from here? I think, you know, I was really inspired by the people who work together to make sure that those marches and those celebrations were safe mm-hmm. during a pandemic. I mean, seriously, like people really came together to make sure that not only were they feeding people, supporting people, keeping people hydrated, making it accessible to the disabled, broadcasting it online, like telling that story. Not only were they making art, um, they were also containing a pandemic mm-hmm. effectively as organizers, as activists, as leaders within our community. I think Freedom Inc. Um, is an organization that none yeah. of us can, can you know, mm-hmm. celebrate enough or be proud enough of as a community yeah. in terms of yep. how they have highlighted the voices of young people um, and mm-hmm. given youth center stage over and over again Mm -hmm. um, and really made progress and really pushed our community um, to think differently about who's at the table and who gets to make decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think uh, that was, I I continue to to be in awe of, of the work and the leadership of, of that organization and the mm-hmm. young people they empower um, mm-hmm. and their role in, in, you know, the really kind of exuberant and uh, incandescently joyful, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, work that we saw this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard to see like folks trying to counter that narrative and make this work destruction, destructive because it was so creative and it was so loving and it was so responsible. It was so willing to show up and be vulnerable and be loving. And, it was this necessary space. It was very hard to process, you know, the, the reality of, of racism and uh, in, in our society while social distancing and alone, yeah. Um, yeah. because a lot of it is grieving. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, we, I think the, the ability to honor the human spirit and the need to grieve in community while mm-hmm. keeping everybody safe um, is something I'll remember for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And all of those young people too. And that, and that people trusted them in their leadership. You know, that's, that's huge. It's what a gift to give a young person. You're like, I trust you. Yeah, What's but also I see you. I showed up to see yeah. what you're doing, you know? Like, yeah. it's a big deal to see kids marching with their neighbors. I want, right, I want to hear you, right? Mm-hmm, it Beautiful. is. Okay, again, I know that we could talk about this for eight hours. Okay, if we just take a little, a little pivot, a little I, bullet point. I appreciate that we're like moving through the universe. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, this it's, is impressive. I know. We really, it's, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a big thing to bite off of. Like, we want to hear a little bit of everything. Yeah. And we, we want to make sure our listeners hear, hear this. God, what, and I also want to just be like, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. You, I mean, what do you want to say today? Yeah. What, yeah. What's alive for you today? What, you know, what is, what's getting you up in the morning? I mean, I'm a pretty in the moment lady. <laughs> and I, I mean, today I'm really, I really try to embrace, I think one of the reasons I can be effective in a variety of spaces is because I really try to be present in the moment that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I got up today so excited and feeling incredibly joyful because I was bringing books to all of my students. They're reading Pleasure Activism by Adrienne Marie Brown this December. And we're coupling this book with this care package that, you know, is like foundations of leadership brownies and like foundations Mm. of leadership, like notebooks and just like little things that are like promoting the activism of these young people and kind of wrapping a little bit of support around them. Mm. And so it was incredible because when I'm driving to like these 37 kids' houses all morning um, and meeting their parents and masks in their driveways and some of them, like I, you know, I work with kids from freshman year through senior year. So some of them, this is their first year in the class. We've never seen each other in person, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like standing in front of this young person that I hang out with on Zoom every Wednesday Mm -hmm. for the first time. And, you know, it is... It's totally, it's totally lighting me up right now. I, I can yeah. imagine. I'm like, I'm totally, I really, I think that's the other thing is like, I, I I'm not an activist or a, a, a person who does the work that I do, who I'm not tired of the work that I do. I, mm-hmm. I love the work I do with my whole entire soul. Mm-hmm. And I feel so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think so often, you know, you work from a place of obligation or you work from mm-hmm. a place of guilt or you work from a, a place of, of necessity, right? you know? Right. Mm-hmm. But, but getting to work from a place of love, getting to apply a love ethic to everything I do, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't, uh, I, I could never thank everybody enough mm-hmm. for, <laughs> for letting me live, live the life that I get to live. Yeah, and do and do what I get to do. So yeah. I'm grateful. I my our, my community trust me to teach their kids and to, you know, wear a mask and use hand sanitizer and bring them books and yeah, uh, you know, cele- celebrate the the minds of young people. That's that is what I'm loving about today. I also really love this conversation and that you all are kind of moving through things that I think are so so important. I'm like yes, 
we think let's go let's keep going yeah yeah Yeah. this is such a valuable conversation and we're just honored Uh, i big time yeah big time yeah i want to i want to really pivot i want to really pivot i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) go somewhere and again um this is this is our first draft of this conversation so (laughs) we're not live we're not live you know that and that this is a super safe space and anything can stay or anything can go but one one point (laughs) love you too love you too god love you too um one point that was on that that really brief bullet point outline that i wanted really the the real intention of sending that outline was to check in with you to see if you would be comfortable to talk about your experience or anything that you want to share today with us, with our listeners about being a survivor of domestic abuse Mm. and, and how that has shaped your life and how that has like, like come through you. And then like, like the gifts that you, like how you heal from those, how you help others heal and like how, um, you know, just conversations that you have with your daughters Oh, heck yeah. You know, I, mean, and, I think and, this is like so incredibly important. I really do love that you all are bringing this up because I think there's this stigma around domestic violence um, that, you know, is part of perpetuating domestic violence. Yes. Part of the reason people yeah. Yeah. Um, stay just, in abusive relationships is because you're not supposed to talk about it no. and you're supposed to be ashamed of it. And it's supposed hush, to be there's like, more denial. Right? Than hush, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think just being able to name that, it, that in a relationship's abusive, just being able to identify warning signs that a relationship is becoming abusive mm-hmm. is such an important skill set. And really, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a survivor and my life is altered permanently, you know, mm-hmm. by, by domestic violence. I had an injury uh, while being attacked by a partner that made me uh, permanently hearing impaired on the right side of my head, you know, changed my whole relationship to like music. Um, and that was not the catalyst for ending that relationship, right? This is a a relationship that I was, was in for, for four years from, you know, Mm -hmm. 18 to 22. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was really becoming apparent. Uh, and it was also, you know, I think this part of the story, I talk about this relationship, but when you're in an abusive relationship and the cycle of abuse, there's so much to it. You know, it's really, you could really spend a lot of time kind of going, well, here's this beautiful kind of romantic honeymoon beginning and here's Mm -hmm. where things break down. But the, how you end an abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. that is a a, a really incredible, you know, journey. And it's so different for, for all people that I've talked to, but I was really lucky because the person I was dating had, um, had a kid with a woman that he had also had a really abusive relationship with Mm -hmm. and she knew that our relationship was abusive. She recognized it because she had been in the same relationship Mm -hmm. and me and her luckily had just a really nice relationship. And she finally said to me, Hey, like, what is your line? Like this person has done all of these things to you that are horrible. What's the limit? Yeah. What would, what would you say? I can't tolerate this. It's over. What would that be for, for you? And at the time I was was so annoyed with her. I was like, well, what was your limit? And she was like, oh, definitely. When you pushed me while I was holding my kid. And I thought, Jesus, like for it to get to that, that level, 
Mm-hmm. And that to be, you know, and she's like, and that, and she's, you know, she's like, I'm not proud of that. Um, I'm not proud of everything I tolerated getting up to that. But that was a line that, you know, the the mama bear of me was like, mm-hmm. I now have to eat you or never see you again. Right. <laughs> um, right. And and I, you know, I totally, I totally knew that. I would never want to to be in that position mm-hmm. with him. And also the longer we were together, the more I realized how capable he was of of harming anybody um, mm-hmm. around him, including mm-hmm. including a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, it's been it's been a long a long-term informant of who I am as an adult because it mm-hmm. happened so early in in my adulthood. Yeah. Um, and it's also the reason, you know, I study consent and I, I teach from a, a space of mutual respect and, and why I challenge power dynamics and why I think the, the gender binary is important to explore the way we teach uh, young folks to be, uh, to embody genders, right? To embody what it means to be a girl or a boy and to limit what, it, what gender is to those two options, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we we have to challenge all of that mm-hmm. and and really, and really question how, it, really look at look it, and how it serves mm-hmm. us. Because mm-hmm. um, I think there's a series of messages I got throughout my life that really reinforced that abuse was a normal, tolerable mm-hmm. thing or a justifiable experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that somebody could have the right to hurt you sometimes, mm-hmm. and unlearning that is, you know, that's a that's a lifelong journey, mm-hmm. and, and it's something. Something I think we need to do as a greater society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Thank you for sharing that. Any anything earlier you mentioned, you know, getting out of that relationship. Anything you just want anybody who might be listening today, who who might be asking themselves, like, hmm, am I in an abusive relationship? Or damn, fuck, I am an abusive. You know, like what something, you know. I would say healthy relationships encourage yeah. your, your growth and your success. Okay. Yeah. So that is a real identifying a healthy relationship wants you to, to be successful and happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a healthy relationship appreciates your friendships and your relationships to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, a, healthy, a healthy relationship uh, makes you feel celebrated and loved and cared mm-hmm. about and seen and heard. And safe. And, and safe. safe. Um, and, and I would say if you are in an abusive relationship, um, you know, the, the person is constantly blaming you for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really, really confusing thing. And it's really hard yeah, to... Yeah, crazy gaslighting. Yeah, it's, a, it's a hard thing to yeah. navigate. And it's not your fault it's that a mind, it's hard. It's a mind fuck. Right? Yeah. But you have every right to be safe. And you should be safe as soon as possible. And I think one of the hardest things that we, we do um, is we... Say we're going to leave abusive relationships when we're in the best possible position in terms of supporting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know you you are you are more resilient than you than you think you are. You can mm-hmm. walk away from a relationship with a dollar in your 
the pocket, you'll be better off um, outside of that situation, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how limited your your resources are. And there are people to support you. So Days um, is an incredible local domestic mm-hmm. violence organization. There are tons of mamas and women. I'm like, don't be afraid to just write what's going on on Facebook, right? Just write the post yeah. like, hey, mm-hmm. I need support. Um, mm-hmm. Because so many folks have had this experience um, and understand what you're going through and mm-hmm. want to be there for you. And I think it's it's in an abusive relationship, the the abuser is often trying to isolate you as much as possible, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a, a huge threat to the relationship is is pursuing help, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you have the right to be safe, yeah. and you know, I, I you deserve it, right? Thank you. you. Yeah, we all do. Thank you, and our children, and our neighbors, and you know, our sisters, our brothers. Are all the people. The other thing I think too is like for folks who have survived, you know, who identify as survivors, I think you have to be really honest about the work that goes into breaking that pattern within yourself, like Mm. teaching yourself a new story about yourself. Yeah. Um, Because there's a new kind of pain that comes with that too. There's grief mm -hmm. in that, Mm -hmm. in, you know, becoming more embodied with with yourself to to not tolerate that anymore there's there's pain with that too right there's things that have to heal yeah you know and i think so often when you know we're taught to be ashamed of a situation we're taught to try to put it behind us as quickly as possible to distance ourselves Mm -hmm. and i think that is actually when we start to engage in a pattern Mm -hmm. um is when we don't do that that reflection work of like how did i get to this space Mm -hmm. um and what do i have to heal to Mm -hmm. move into the next space Mm -hmm. yeah Beautiful. Thank you. I got, I just want to keep pivoting. Well, I have one, I I have one more question with regards to this conversation. This is is huge. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Thank you. you. I really wanted to check in prior to just like give you a like, like consent check in. Are you comfortable with this? But like, I just, um, thank you. And Andrea was like, let's, you know, she's so great. You're so great about asking like, what's our intention, you know? always she's always asking us this like what's our intention with this what's our intention with this and, and therefore uh, what the impact will be yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. I, and and that that really was a lie for me of like i have this really strong intention to to ask this really courageous strong woman if she would be willing to talk about this uh just for people to hear and and if there's one person that this touches in a in a powerful way then then we're doing what we set out to do. That's all I want to do. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. We got to tell these stories. I think yeah, these are we have such... To. These are such important stories. And I think the lie, you know, I think when people, you know, when you read my resume, I think you, it, it's easy to imagine I've had a specific kind of life or am a specific kind of purpose person or grew up mm-hmm. in a certain socioeconomic situation. Truth is, is I had a kid when I was 22. I dropped out of college. I was a janitor, you know, when I was 24. I, I had I my second that. kid at, at 26, that. right? Like I, you know, I have, I have in, embodied the, my identity fully. I, I know exactly what it means to be a black woman in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't, I don't have any shame about that. I wrote an article called shameless survivor. <laughs> so I hope that awesome. encouraged you all. Um, awesome. because yeah. I, I, you know, I don't see myself as a victim and I don't see myself as a person who 
you know, lives in kind of the shadow of my own suffering. Um, I do see myself as a person who reflects on the things I've gone through frequently as a way to serve other folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My, my curiosity, listening to you talk about that experience, my curiosity is, have you forgiven that person who hurt you? Do you also have compassion for what, with the idea that hurt people can often hurt other people, you know, is there compassion there for that person? Oh, that's and, a question, babe. Good job. Yeah, I think you know, I I think that it's hard to talk about forgiveness um, in in our specific context or the dynamic of our relationship. In part because it's hard for this person to apologize and it's hard for this person to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. What I have done is made amends with this person and created a series of boundaries with this person that I am comfortable with, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need this person to be in prison. I have no desire to ruin their life. I don't name them or, Mm -hmm. you know, want people to, you know, like beehive them or something. I'm like, I, 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 I wish them nothing but the best, but we have talked about this. We have tried to like really have real conversations as people who, you know, went, went through some pretty horrific stuff together. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, at the, one of the last and more potent conversations we had, which was, you know, seven years after the fact, right. Mm -hmm. This is 10 years ago that this Mm -hmm. relationship ended. Um, but you know, he, he said, well, you know, we were both, we were both responsible. Mm. And I said, you know, it took me like probably five years to realize that none of it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that in like a casual, like I'm in a, I wasn't an adult. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I say that in like a, you hitting me is not my fault. Like that is not my fault. And that is the wrong that is so far over the line. You know, we have to have a different set of boundaries for, Mm -hmm. for how we, how we communicate and who we are moving forward for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I think, being really clear about that person, I, I said, you know, in that moment, you don't take full responsibility for the damage that you've done. Mm-hmm. We can never talk again. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because this is, this is kind of where, you know, this is, this is the, this is where the bus ends for me. Yeah. And in that moment, the person said, yeah, I can, I will, I will never say that again. Didn't apologize for it. Didn't necessarily, I think, you know, fully wrap themselves around, um, you know, the, the level of, of damage and power they, they were able to, to wield. Mm -hmm. Um, but at least accepted that the patterns of abuse that had allowed for the dynamic to take place in the first place could no longer exist in order for us to have a relationship moving Mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know with those personal boundaries, I, I know that for me and, and the conversations I'm having in my home, it's, it's reiterating that, your boundaries are for you and there's, you have the right to shift them as you see fit, that you have the right to honor them as you see fit. And it's not your responsibility to manage how people will respond, respond to, to them. It's, you, oh, totally. And that and, for me was such an evolution with that person because I didn't go into that conversation knowing I even had that boundary or that expectation of them. I felt that come up for me as that person said, 
you know, this is both, this is both of us. Mm -hmm. I heard that one echo a series of things I heard while the abuse was going on. And I heard myself react to that with a very clear, um, hard stop, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think in the past I would have questioned the severity of my own reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have said, you know, that's a really harsh thing to say. I'll never speak to you again. But I think in the, Mm -hmm. in the moment, I just knew it was true. And I wanted to honor the truth, the truth about yeah. myself. And I wanted that person to know that they had an option, which was to change the behavior or, you know, mm-hmm. try to remember each other fondly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, Ali. Thank you for sharing and being willing to talk about this. Yeah, I know it's a tender, it's a really tender area to talk about the compassion for someone who's perpetuating violence and abuse, especially when they're clearly in denial of their role in it and they don't, they're not ready to take responsibility for it. And I, I guess I bring it up because I, I'm, I feel very passionate about this collective human healing that I want to see more and more happening. And it, it's, I, I want the, the and in the conversation more where it's like these boundaries are necessary. They're so important. And this person has their healing to do that. I don't, it's just so like, I don't know if I'm, you know, articulating this very well, but I think when No, but I think we do that. I do think, and particularly folks who identify with femininity and folks who identify as women, um, I think do say like, well, you know, he's only like that because of what happened to him as a kid. He only does that because he had a really hard time at work. I think there is this desire to be so compassionate that we start to excuse violence. We start to excuse things. Right, and that's we do it with racism to... too. We we go, oh, it's not Marge's fault. She grew up in a different era. Right, it's mm-hmm. not you know so and so's fault. Their their dad used to say things, and like it's that. like mm-hmm. that is a piece to acknowledge. And then from there, it's like, but this person still can be held accountable. Yes, and, and can and still have the right to, to love and healing, right? Yes. You can still want love and healing for that person, yeah. but not at the expense of your own. No, I do right. think that is that is another lesson we have to start teaching, especially femme folks and, and especially yeah, as girls. You're right? not you're not the the sanctuary for that person to. Yeah, exactly. We're not we're not here to just be the sanctuaries for men's healing. No, I, you're you're not in, somebody's safe space to be a monster. Yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 But kindness and g- genuine real love for me is holding people accountable and honoring your boundaries and both need mm-hmm. to be happening. And I mean, for me, real love starts with you, right? Like yeah, when I when I talk to sure. my young people about about love, right? They're like high school students, and they've been given like this series of romantic images throughout their life, and yeah. you know, they they the twisted you, American, yeah, American, like all yeah. kinds of things. They want to like run towards this like perfect, mm-hmm. you know, storybook where somebody is just perfect for them, and right. they're this you know, other, this, this person, and they're just perfect for them, and it's just mm-hmm. so. But love, you know, is is a you, I can only love you as much as I love me, mm-hmm. right? So the better I am at loving me, the better I am. The juicier I am at loving me, mm-hmm. the better I am at loving me. You know, the, the, the more I lean into it, the more I like me, the more I can like you, right? Like, I know, I'm finding that to be true. Ali, when it comes to the conversation of white people, I think white people hate themselves, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that there there's a distaste for ourselves in some. I mean, that 
I don't know, that could be really reaching maybe, but at times I'm like, do we just hate ourselves that we cannot? Well, you don't feel good. You can't feel good about yourself, right? Like you can't yeah. really think, so this goes back to like, why do you need racism? Yeah. Right? Right. And like here, my dad would talk about this all the time. He'd go, you know, the reason white people don't want to integrate education is because white people have seen what happens when you integrate. And, and area, right? My dad is in his 60s. He grew up during the integration of sports. And within, you know, a few decades of, of the integration of sports, uh, a series of major sports now are dominated by African-American folks, mm-hmm. right? When, when, when folks were given the opportunity to play, given the resources to participate, maybe even resources that are not to the same quality. But when the playing field is even, oh, yeah. you can't out-compete. Right. That's why you need racism, because if you if you if you have to start from the same place as me, then you won't win every time. But here's the really crazy thing about that. Wouldn't you rather lose and know that you lost using your own strength, right? Using your own integrity than win having cheated. Mm-hmm. You know, Maya Angelou says it really well. If your you're only if you're only taller than somebody because they're on their knees, what? you've got a problem. Right. 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 You're not actually tall. You're yeah. not actually winning. You're not it's actually not great. It's not right? real. Yeah. What you are is privileged. And I think what you want to be is great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. It's okay to say, I, I don't like talking about my privilege because I know it's a barrier to my greatness. I know that when I talk about the unfair advantage I've gotten through my life, throughout my life, it takes away from the things I've worked hard on, the things I believe in, the things mm-hmm. I, I really mean it when it I is. do. It's a block for a lot of white mm-hmm. folks. It really is. It's been a block for me. I'm not going to deny that. I, I just, mm-hmm. I'm done with this denial, this collective denial in my, you know, in yeah. my lineage. It's just like, it's time to stop being but it's, it's okay a thing with this. That it's like if you, if you don't want racism, if you don't want to live in a racial casteism, then you have to dismantle it, mm-hmm. right? You can't yeah. just say, I don't like racism and, and go about your normal day where right. racism informs the world you live in, right? Because you can't, yeah. I asked a person once um, in, a, in a fit of rage, y'all. I said, stop. I said, stop being white. And somebody goes, you can't tell somebody to stop being white. What if they said, stop being black? I said, every time the police shoot a black person, that's how you say, stop being white. I stop existing. We, we are told that all the time, but they said, you know, what do you mean? Are you saying stop existing? I said, no. Now this person was also wealthy. And I said, I looked at this person. I said, what would you do if I said, stop being wealthy? They Mm -hmm. thought about, they said, well, I can do that. I can give it all away. Right. Mm-hmm. That's but then, mm-hmm. you know, I lose the power. I lose that control. I lose mm-hmm. the, the know that somebody who's going to do the right thing with the money the has the money, right? right? So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to have to, you know, if this is, you know, we can have another conversation. We just have to create another world. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I had a moment over the summer mm-hmm. when I was with some family members and everybody wants to talk about the symptoms all the time and, and project and point mm-hmm. and blame. And I said, you know what? I just want to, I don't want to talk about these symptoms anymore. I want to talk about our whiteness mm-hmm. and what whiteness is doing. And so I guess if I'm in the room from now on, <laughs> that's where I'm going to keep pointing. I'm not, I just, I, I just was like, it's, this is not the conversation to have anymore. The conversation for us to have as a white family 
is right. about our whiteness. Yeah. Because the condition, the conditions of Black America don't tell you anything about Black America. No. Right? The conditions of Black America, I tell folks all the time, slavery is not the history of Black people, right? Mm-hmm. That's like getting mm-hmm. hit in the face and saying you have a history of getting hit in the face. No, the person who hit you in the face has the history of violence, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have a history of slavery. You have a history of enslaving people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does that say about you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, how does that inform your community? And what are you going to do to deal with that? Right? What are you going to deal with the fact that you're part of a community that historically enslaved people, that historically left people out of education, that, you know, Mm-hmm. A few a few months ago, sanctioned the execution of, of a of a of a guy in public for for absolutely no reason. What are you yeah. going to do with that? Right. Because if you don't want it, you have to change it. Mm-hmm. You have to change it. And I think that's I think the necessity of talking about whiteness is so real because that is about taking responsibility. That's not about blame. Mm-hmm. It's not about being ashamed of it. That's about saying, hey, we've got to analyze right. the reality of we this. We need situation. to sit with this. We need mm-hmm. to be with this. We need yeah. to drop into this. Again, again, in that it's in that you don't have to come to that table no. knowing how to do it. You just gotta do it. It's right. not about doing it And right. you got to ask yourself some things, right? Like whenever people are like, hey, we need to study that. We need some data on this racism <laughs> that these I mean, black people are telling us about. Is, right? that the intel- is that intellectualizing? Is that what that would I mean, be? I just, I say all yeah. the time to folks, listen, Harriet Tubman did not need a pie chart to know slavery was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she did not need it. She never said, get me a graph and then we'll decide. Let's weigh out whether or not people are getting treated differently. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is us. Like, mm. that is, that is, you know, we're living in the information age. And so now we're like, you know how we'll solve racism. Mm-hmm. We'll count it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll stand back and we'll we'll measure it. We'll analyze long it. Term. Right. Well, and right. the other, we'll talk about it enough in this really right. We'll tur- right. We'll turn the experiences of children. We'll turn the experiences of folks who are living in cages into mm-hmm. data points instead of instead of you know instead of human them. beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's so dehumanized. This the dehumanizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's dehumanizing. But I think you're right. I think the thing about, you know, what white folks need to do is I'm like, you can't take away somebody else's humanity without taking away your own. You I know? agree. So, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's, yeah. you're, you're, it's, you're, it's harming you too. Mm-hmm. It's harming, like Tamina said so beautifully, mm-hmm. our com- white supremacy is also harming white people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm-hmm. I want us to stop being so concerned about being perceived as racist or accused as racist and like really start getting in there very imperfectly. Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't want to hear anybody tell me they're not racist until there's no racism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like on the day that there's no racism, go get yourself a shirt. Mm -hmm. Be like, I told y'all, I told Mm y'all I wasn't in on it because look, it's done. And I was part of that, you know, totally, Mm -hmm. totally. That's huge. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know. Told you we got to get her on the show. <laughs> this moment's been I, building. I like, I like to tell people, too, I'm like, you made the cut. You made the cut to be a repeat guest, so congratulations. Thank Can't you. are going to come back. Time. Can't wait to have would... you back. We might just, like, rotate, like, a solid, like, dozen and just like keep you dozen just coming back <laughs> not that there's not millions of brilliant people out in the world that we just want to hear from and 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 dive in with but 
but thank you for your thoughts. Um, oh, it's great to get we to could talk do this, to you. We could do this forever. God, yeah, damn, you there's pivot. so many I, pivots. I just, I want to like, I want to be like, homebird, like what's in your, ah. like what's in your fridge? Like what, like what are you reading right now? I also really want to, what music? Oh my God. Yeah, music. I was mm. telling, I was like, have you Poetry. ever seen Ali dance? This girl can dance. <laughs> I, I want, but really what I, I want to make sure that we don't leave out is that, and I didn't read this on some Google thing. I just know this. I just know this about you because I've known you for a while. Your little dot, your little daughter answered the phone and she's like, "Hello," and I was like, "It's Isa. I nursed her." Yeah. Yeah. I, was like, I, like, I like pointing out the people that like have nursed my children and who what children I have nursed. Yes. I'm so, community. I'm so that proud is community of that. right there. It's about resources and love and like yeah. also like just yes. Yes. Intimacy, yes. not yes. being afraid of intimacy. Community. So, but what, what I don't want to leave out of today's conversation is that it's my understanding that you, part of your story of getting um, kind of involved with youth and education is actually through poetry. And you were, you were a slam poet. You are a poet. You are a writer. You've quoted four people, if my memory, I mean, you, you've maybe five, like you, you are a reader. You have a hunger for like healthy, beautiful literature. Um, I know this about you and I want to hear from you about that. And then I want to ask you if you would, when you were talking about the different colors of black and the different col the, the different words, the synonyms for black and the synonyms for white. I was just like, oh my God, is she about to bust out a slam? <laughs> like, is she is she just about to just like really fucking give it to us? I feel like it's kind of, I can like feel it. I was like about to stand up. <laughs> but I I wanted I wanna ask you to read something. Oh wow. I fucking do that you Ali wrote. You should have checked that outline. I'm like, I, I'm like, I am on the spot now. It was on the outline. I am like, I love, uh, I love that you, I love that you know that. I'm like, that, that is, I'm like, this, this is a special interview because that does not usually come up. And it is such an origin story of where I first kind of found my power and my leadership mm. yes. as a young person. Oh, um, I know the chills. poems, the poetry. The yeah. Yeah. Um, I am like, I have, I have one poem that's like my go-to poem that I actually wrote when I was 16. That's so easy because um, it was the poem that got me to the, the nationals. Um, and oh it's, such a, it's, it's such a weird poem in some ways because I think, um, you know, I was, I was a sophomore in high school or, and I was probably just starting to realize um, how much, you know, how racist my education was, you know? I mean, I, I asked my dad in early childhood because Madison had been described as a really liberal place my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I asked my dad in early childhood, probably when I was like eight or, or nine, um, how Madison could be so progressive and racist enough to discriminate at, against kids mm -hmm. at school. He said, everybody's liberal when, they, when it comes to themselves. Everybody's <laughs> progressive when it's them, yeah. right? Everybody knows that a cage isn't right for them or their children. Everybody knows that a cage isn't the answer when they make a mistake. <laughs> Everybody knows that slavery isn't right for them. 
Mm -hmm. whether or not you think those things are right for other people that determine whether or not you are liberal. But this piece, this piece, uh, I think is, you know, how I, how the, how the long-term version of me, the 16 year old version of me reconciled that statement, um, you know, as, as I experienced high school. So the poem is called brother child. Mm -hmm. Um, it goes like this. Brother child broke down two days ago. He broke down two days ago. I don't, I don't think he's getting up. I, I mean, you can pinpoint the second. Brother child broke down two days ago. He doesn't know what to tell his mother or his sister. Brother child broke down two days ago. So he broke down. He, 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 broke. he never got the chance to grow up. He never got the opportunity to grow up. See, they kept shoving him into the back seats of cop cars and cells with iron, box, iron bars. He couldn't grow in a box. Couldn't grow in 10 by 10. He got taller and stronger, but didn't get any wiser. Brother child broke down two days ago. He broke down two days ago and he doesn't know what to, he doesn't know what to tell his daughter. He's only, he's only 16 years old and you can pinpoint the second, you can revisit the second. He's in the classroom and she didn't tell him to put down the knife. She didn't tell him to put down the hate. She didn't tell him to put down the gun. She said, put down the pen. You're on my time and you failed my test again. Brother child broke down two days ago. He broke down two days ago and I'm scared, terrified. Because my brother's not getting up. Thank you, Holly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. Sixteen. That uh, that poem got me to San Francisco. <laughs> that, po- that poem got me on a plane. It was a big. It was a big deal. I will. I will say that. I'm like I tell folks all the time. Everything I did in high school was a way to reconcile the fact that I grew up in poverty. And so I did the African-American History Bowl and I convinced my friends to do it. We learned all about black history, not because I was a history nerd, but because if you won, you got to go to Las Vegas. I had never been on a plane. I started doing the poetry slams because there was an opportunity to compete nationally and I had never traveled. Um, and and every, every opportunity that really spoke to me resolved uh, a feeling I had as a kid that I was being left out of the world. Mm. Um, and so I think in this work, that's something I keep very, very close to me is how do you give kids, you know, the, the part of the world that they don't feel like is there, is, is accessible to them because of, you know, whatever limitations life tries to throw at you. Let them know that the, that the world is theirs. The world is ours. Absolutely. There are people who will help you get wherever you want to (laughs) go. Ooh, I needed to hear that today. Ooh, I needed to hear that today. Oh, man. Can you say it again? <laughs> there are people who will help you get wherever you want to go. I mean it. I, I, will, yeah. I, I think that is like the, the part of my story, too, that I always want folks to ask about, right, is who, who, who are my people? Who are the people who helped you do and the saw stuff you. you do? Yeah. You know, because this is not like my situation doesn't happen because of the kind of person I am. Right. 
You know, you don't get to be on the school board because of you. You get to be on the school board because thousands of people vote for you. You don't get to travel the country doing poetry because of you. You get to travel the country because somebody like Howard Hayes shows up to be your coach. Because somebody like Amanda Posell tells you you're smart in sixth grade. Because somebody like Tracy Wagner, you know, gives up her lunch break to listen to you read poems. There's, there are people, if you know you want to do something great, there are people who will help you do it. Well, and... A lot of people are going to say your name, Ali. You got, a lot you of people. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, Ali, she she told me I could fucking do it." Yeah, yeah. People so, are people. You're that person. You're gotta that pay person. it forward. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm like there's been so many people who've been so good to me, yourselves mm-hmm. included. Yeah. <laughs> like, easy, so, easy. So 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 good to me. You know, easy. easy. Did I did I even hesitate when you asked me to come help you at Ali's house? No, you it was like a week. It was like a week before election <laughs> and I called the five most badass fucking women I knew and I was like, listen, we're going to Ali's to clean it. You better be there. You know? Real. She, she's about to she's about to get on the board. Get your ass over there. Oh man. And like Margaret knows, like, this is, like, a thing for me. Like, this is, like, a concentration thing, okay? Like, <laughs> I can – and she came over, I think, like, two days after Issa was born. You're, like, dropping something off. And I was, like, sweeping. And she was, like, you don't – you don't sweep? You don't fucking sweep? Are you kidding me? So, yeah. I'll sweep the whole house. I'll sweep the neighbor's house. Give that baby on your boob you now. Know? She was, like – lay down take a nap want a snack like what are you doing but yeah. i was like no if it's like there i like can't concentrate on other things yeah, I, I know like, i like need to do it it's like a thing yeah i know yeah. oh girl you're come on She's I like know. i will come over and do that for you yeah so you can just like do worse and <laughs> yeah knock on those doors have a snack go do your work yeah. Oh man. Your heart means work. the world too to have people see you in that way yeah. and say, "No, we can do this for you because we believe in what you're doing and we think it's important." Yeah. yeah. Want to to help you do it. Community. I just like five. Can we just like five more minutes? Yeah. Just, like just like just just like oh, uh, quick three minutes three minutes because we are less than one percent of the population because black women are 30% more likely to die during childbirth as white are black babies. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a huge part of the story as well. Why home birth? Oh man. I, I mean, I think home birth is like, yo, like the revolution. I'm like, you just opened like two hours of my <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> four, four minutes. I was like, I feel like, yes, but I will say like home birth is kind of this reclama- reclaiming yeah. of, of the soulfulness and the intimacy and the sacredness of, of birth. And I think there's all kinds of ways to give birth and I and celebrate, intimacy. yes, I celebrate folks who, you know, whatever you give, you give birth in a car, you give birth, you know, where, where however you, you want, get, get you down, how you get down and yeah. you know, it's, it's a beautiful moment, but I you, think you do, you do it how you want to do it and how, absolutely. you know, the bedroom, but, the bedroom is a private, you decide what goes on in there. You decide what goes out, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's intimate. But as but a black I, woman who 
knows the reality in a hospital setting with birth. Oh, I mean, I think right now as a human, we can say clearly, home birth is safer. Home birth is safer. In the midst of a global pandemic, Mm -hmm. going to a hospital is is hard um and and that is i think a a universal reality now the idea the reality of race is that going to a hospital is a less trustworthy experience Mm -hmm. right it's a black women you see this with you know serena williams yeah Yeah. went went in and gave birth and and was not listened to and Mm -hmm. you know her life was at almost died yeah right and so Working in, with yeah. a midwife, I mean, it's not just your birth, right? It is the whole experience. It is from the moment you call them to, you know, six weeks after you give birth. Yeah. You have this person who Like is, six years after you give birth. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's hard yeah, not yeah. to just like move in with your midwife. <laughs> it's hard not to be like, you know, because that person, you know, like, and it is this, this exchange of care you know, that is real. It is not somebody, it's so consensual because it's not somebody saying, I I hate the golden rule. I'll let y'all know this. Treat others the way you want to be treated is bullshit. Mm. Racist shit, right? Mm. We're not the same. We don't need to be the same to treat each other well. You treat people the way they want to be treated. You treat me the way I want to be treated. I will treat you the way you want to be treated. And I have to know you. I have to be able to ask you, what do you need from me, right? So my midwife doesn't show up and go, this is how we usually do it. My yeah. midwife shows up. How and do says, you want to do it? Yes. What is? What are you thinking? What's, What's going on with you? Yes. What, yeah. How do we? How you? do we honor and that. respect this yeah. experience because it's yours? Yeah. Right. Because then there's not projection there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then there's a, a reverence for yeah. both the person being born and the person giving birth. Yeah. Right. As the as the true facilitators of what's happening. As the true, you know, it's, it's this moment in which. You know, I love when midwives, when folks talk to midwives and say like, oh, so you deliver babies. And midwives are like, no, moms deliver babies. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like, doing that. Yeah. Like yeah. moms deliver the baby. The only person bringing the baby into the world is is, is the mom or is the yeah. person giving birth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, you know, and then for real, like if we want to get historical about this, obstetrics was, was oh, created, oh, was man. created. I know. Right. In the image of torturing black women. Yeah. In the oh, image shit. of torturing black women. The father of gynecology, you know, removed all of the reproductive organs of a slave named Betsy. He operated her on her hundreds of times over the course of her life without anesthetic because he didn't believe black women experienced pain. 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 That's where right. that's where the stirrups come from. Right, the it's stirrups. all connected to now. It just—it's all, it, yeah. They come from the fact that it was happening in a barn, right? <laughs> they come—they come from a fact that there was no that dignity was never part of the discussion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and the, all and, the black midwives that got pushed out. Yes, plus. but midwifery brings dignity back into the the conversation. Mm-hmm. It brings it abundance yeah. back it's, into the conversation. It's such a t- Right. And such a tool, it does. And such a tool to remember what community is, what consent is. I mean, really, I was just saying this morning, I had, I had a, there was a a birth that I was at last night and, and this morning I was reflecting on it and remembering from my own home birth experiences and my own relationship with, with our midwife was that 
and, and also just in my days, just observing how people talk to babies mm -hmm. and the consent that they give babies of like, is it okay that I pick you up? Mm -hmm. Is it okay that I, I'm going to, I'm going to touch you here now? Yeah. I'm doing so, this with your body. Like I'm informing you, I'm talking to you, yes. validating that your body belongs to you. What a, what, a tool, what a tool to remember the value in, in that. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's powerful. <sighs> Shit. It, I, it's, that was life-changing. What, yeah. what are you having for dinner? What are you having for dinner? Well, you I was, was going to say the next conversation, like we're going to have, like, as like my, like my mama bear is like, okay, all right. when's, when's everybody sleeping? Yeah. Um, miss, I was up all night last uh -huh. night. Then I reflected this morning. <laughs> then I swept some lady's kitchen. I, I'm like, <laughs> I had, okay. I had, I had, I had a really good two hour nap. I considered masturbating, but I was like, no, that's going to kill like 20 minutes. Just fucking fall asleep. So mm -hmm. I fell asleep. I had, I had a, a meeting, my first meeting as a returning student to midwifery. And it was mm -hmm. really powerful for me. I was really emotional. Afterwards, I took a hot shower. I cried really hard. I took a cold shower. I kind of caught my breath. And then she, I heard her open the door and I was like, I'm emotional. And she was like, okay. And then I cried really hard into her arms, like, like without sound for like 30 seconds. And then she really made me laugh. Uh, it didn't pee my pants. <laughs> and, you know, sleep is around the corner. This is, yes. this is I, I, I'm, I'm awake. I'm good. We um, had a lot of adrenaline pumping setting this up today, this too. <laughs> this is great. Okay. Two, we're going to wrap this up what's for dinner and then you are telling us the song of the day oh uh, for dinner whew, i feel like i'm gonna do some kind of like salad and celery juice and then like steak and maybe okay. like potato but is that celery juice so i wake up with the celery juice you're doing celery juice in the middle of the day are you shaking i drink i drink celery juice all the I, time and you're not i just this. You're I just not this. even shitting your pants. I can do it. No, I just okay. love it. And okay, I just used to it now. We gotta do this. I've been oh, drinking. Been yes. I, yes, I've been doing been it. Drinking. If you follow my Insta. Well, I, I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Twitter I don't last know. night, Ali. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know what you got. I was like, Ali's drinking the green juice. Uh, she, I, saw I don't her know Twitter what page. you guys are doing over there in the Matrix. <laughs> I'm too old for that shit. You guys are way, you guys are young. I don't know about that Matrix shit. I, I have been on the celery juice. I'm like, celery juice has been like a comfort food for me during the pandemic. Beautiful. But I'm also really into just Grounding. like a spinach, craisin salad. And then I've just Ooh. been craving yeah. like red meat. I'm just not yeah. 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 Well, that's like okay. Listening nice to your body. Like, that's yeah. Right. Okay. And, and then song of the day. Ooh. Can you pull it up? Can you pull I'm gonna, it up? I'm ready to pull it up for Ali. When she's okay. 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 Andrew's going to pull it up. I'm going to say song of the day. Can I have this dance? No. Song of the day. <laughs> I like this. You got to be. You got to be by Desiree. Yes. Oh, you got to yes. be cool. You got to be calm. You got to be yes. calm. Yeah. Oh, man. This was, this was an anthem. Ali, can you hear it okay? 
Yes. Can we dance a little? This is an anthem. Let's see your moves, Ali. Let's, are we gonna chair dance? This song makes me cry. Listen as your day unfolds, listen as your day unfolds, challenge, try and keep your head up to the sky, the they may cause you tears, go ahead and release your fears, stand up and be counted, don't be ashamed, gotta be gotta be gotta be you gotta be stronger. You gotta be cool. You gotta be calm. You gotta stay together. Love is Thank you. We're going to do this again. Anytime. Thanks for jamming out. We're going to do this again. this was so radiant and lovely. <laughs> I can't wait for I, you to be back. Margaret, I want to like massage your shoulders. I'm like, I want, I know, I'm on the I want that nap for you. I know. I was doing, I can do the self-massage on the regular. It's good. Ollie, I can do it for you today. Thanks, if you, if you, I'll make Thanks. sure. My Thank sweetheart's you. coming. My baby's coming. She'll rub my shoulders. Love you. I can't yeah. hard to say goodbye, but... Thank you for everything. It was so beautiful. Enjoy that anytime. I would talk to y'all anytime. Enjoy that CJ. Love you. Love you. I love you. (laughs) Bye, beautiful people. Bye, beautiful. Love you. Love you. God, we just gotta say, oh, so good. Oh, my God. Whoa. Remember, listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Trying to keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may cause you tears. Go ahead, release your fears. My oh.